0: Sports Radio three seven the Fan Donnie football with you for the next 90 minutes. Sean Myers behind the glass tonight. Steelers getting set to take on the Browns Sunday in Cleveland. Before we transition over to some pit football talk as we get into this 9 o'clock hour, want to touch a little bit more about this Steelers matchup with the Browns because I think that it is the, the perfect AFC North ball type of game that Mike Tomlin talks about, the perfect thing for the Steelers at this time. Now, I think given the Deshaun Watson news, I think the Steelers have been given a gift uh, a month before the holiday season. Because they should be looking 7-3 and three right in the face. And if they go to 7-3, and three, that means they are also 3-0 and oh in the AFC North. And you basically need a collapse to not make the playoffs at that point, the way things are going. And Mike Tomlin knows this is the perfect time to win games ugly. Style points don't matter in a game like this. I think there's something to be said about style points and winning convincingly. It doesn't matter, though, in a game like this. Especially once you get into the divisional matchups. I think that's why Mike Tomlin thrives in these situations. That's why he has such a good record against the AFC North. Because he doesn't outsmart himself more often than not in these divisional games now people will push back and they'll say you know about how he outsmarts himself in other matchups which I'm not going to argue because it does happen I mean I think it happens to any coach but Mike Tomlin just has that knack for winning games in the division even though even when his team is clearly not the better one on the field You think of times they've beaten Cincinnati with Joe Burrow at quarterback. They've beaten Baltimore with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And they've done it in big spots. They've beaten Cleveland when the Browns look like the better team. They've done it multiple times. I I, I actually just saw... Somebody retweeted highlights from the Steelers-Browns matchup at Heinz Field in 2019, the Duck-Hodges game. The Steelers trailed in that game midway through the first half. They came back and won that game with Duck-Hodges at quarterback. The Browns had Baker Mayfield, the first overall pick. The Steelers had a guy they gave a phone call to on I-79 whenever Ben blew out his elbow to come back and throw the football around a little bit. They came back and won that game. The Browns made multiple mistakes in the second half. The Steelers won. You think of the Cincinnati opener last year. Now, that not always the best example because that was just a very rusty Joe Burrow. And the Steelers picking him off five times and winning that game and still needing a blocked extra point to do so. You think of the matchups against Lamar Jackson earlier this season, late last season. Those were ugly games, but they ended up being great wins for the Steelers. Late last year, the Kenny Pickett game-winning touchdown pass to Najee Harris. That was one of the best plays of their season. And they had to go in there in prime time with their season on the line And they had to beat what a lot of people thought was a better team, and they did it. I think they're poised to do that again on Sunday. I mean, we know how good the Browns' defense is. Across the board, one of the best in the game. I think it is the number one defense in football. If I had to just pick one. I think the way that things are going for the Steelers right now, the rhythm they have gotten themselves into a little bit, and I had a good feeling they would find a bit of a rhythm with those three consecutive home games. They lost that first one to Jacksonville, but they come back on the short week. They beat Tennessee. They beat Green Bay after 10 days off. No, those games didn't look pretty. Uh, It's pretty clear by now they're not going to look pretty for the Steelers, but they find ways to win them, and that goes especially for the AFC North games. And I think the recipe for the Steelers on Sunday, again, is running the football. The Browns do everything pretty well defensively. Go right at them with your new and improved run game. The last two games, they have run the football extremely well. Najee Harris has run the football well. Jalen Warren, how about these numbers in the last two games? Against Tennessee, 11 carries, 88 yards. Against Green Bay, 15 carries, 101, a touchdown. 7.2 yards per carry for Jalen Warren. So I think that's the identity the Steelers are going to start rolling with. It took them a little while. We thought, okay, this team is built to play some bully ball. They're building up the offensive line. They signed Isaac Sayamalu in the offseason. They drafted Broderick Jones. They drafted Darnell Washington, one of the best blocking tight ends we've seen in years. It took them a little bit to get going. They finally insert Broderick Jones into the lineup, and I don't think it's a coincidence that the run game has taken off. They have run for close to or over 200 yards in the last two games. And when the quarterback has some limitations, that's going to help things. That's going to at least keep your offense moving. That's going to keep your team in possession of the football. I think they do that again Sunday. I think we see 100 plus rushing yards out of the Steelers again. I won't go to the point where I say another 200 plus yard game. Remember the defense they are playing, stay on planet Earth a little bit. But I think the Steelers really have something with how they've begun to run the football. They can do it with authority, they keep both guys fresh. I think they have finally fallen into that perfect mix of near 50-50 with Najee Harris and Jalen Warren. And the offensive line certainly has a lot of confidence right now when running the football. Broderick Jones has brought in a huge boost to that offensive line. His sheer athleticism and talent, he has... Given that whole unit a lot more confidence, and I don't think it's any sort of coincidence that the run game has picked up. So I want to transition over to pit football here, because I saw some news last night that made me happy. Sean will know this guy, I'll bring him up in a sec, but I saw a tweet from the school's official account, and I also saw uh, a tweet from Alan Saunders from Pittsburgh Sports Now who basically just clarified what the original tweet meant. Because this is about a guy that I think the Panthers let get away. UNLV having a phenomenal season, one of the best seasons in their football program's history. Uh, they're eight and two right now. They are at the top of the Mountain West Conference. A lot of people projecting them to play in the LA Bowl, which features the top team in the Mountain West against the number five team in the Pac-12. That team's offensive coordinator is Brennan Marion. That name should ring a bell if you're a Pitt fan. He has been nominated for the Frank Broyles Award. And if you're unaware of what that award is, it is for the top assistant coach in all of college football. Brennan Marion just two years ago was at Pitt. What happened that year for Pitt football? Well, they won the ACC championship. They beat Clemson in the regular season. Kenny Pickett was a Heisman finalist. He became a first-round pick of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Jordan Addison was the Bolitnikoff winner. That is the award for best receiver in college football. And his position coach that year was Brennan Marion. So he had some say in that, I'd like to think, as the wide receiver coach in 2021. A local guy, too. He played his college ball at Tulsa, but he's a Greensburg Salem grad. A proud Greensburg-Salem grad at that. My alma mater. So obviously I like seeing when a guy like that does well and does cool things. And I think he's bound for that. But after that 2021 season, Mark Whipple was out as the offensive coordinator. I thought... Logical move, maybe promote your young, exciting wide receiver coach to that spot. He had just coached a guy to help him win a Bolitnikoff award. The offense saw numbers they hadn't seen since Dan Marino played at the school. They were reaching heights that they hadn't seen in over a decade. Things didn't happen that way. I don't know what happened in the building. I can't speak for that. Marion moved on. He went to Texas for a year. Then UNLV. I know people got upset because people thought that Brendan Marion had a lot of say during the whole Jordan-Addison saga, which Addison didn't end up going to Texas anyway. So even though maybe there's truth there, He didn't pick Brendan Marion over USC and Caleb Williams. And now he's among the best young coaches in college football. And I don't think he's going anywhere anytime soon. I think Brendan Marion is a name that you should get used to In some college football circles. And hey, I don't think it's too late either to uh, pick up the phone again and give him a call. His name has been mentioned uh, in Penn State circles as well. They just got rid of their offensive coordinator a couple days
1: ago, and some people think maybe he needs another year or two, referring to – Marion him before he becomes the guy, but uh, I know certainly there's people that
0: are lobbying that he could be their next OC when they make that decision likely in the offseason. I, I have seen some of that, Sean. I mean, I, I know you, you follow Penn State more closely than I do, and I have friends that are diehard Penn State fans or they even cover the team. Honestly, I think that'd be sweet. I think that would be a, a great jump for him. I mean, you're going to big boy land then. I mean, I know that He was a wide receiver coach in the ACC, and he helped Jordan Addison reach the pinnacle of college football as a receiver. But I mean, you go to some big-time Big Ten games, and hey, if they make that move, and that's what it takes for James Franklin to get over the top, he'll be getting some even more calls, and it'll be about head coach positions. And not just the offensive coordinator position. Fan Text Line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say there's never a fee unless we get money for you. Coming up, Corey Chris and Pit Insider from DK Pittsburgh Sports. He will join me, talk a little bit of pit football and some pit basketball. The Panthers with an exciting start. On the hardwood as well. We will get into that coming up next. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan. Sports Radio three seven The Fan. Donnie Football with you for another hour or so. Transitioning into some pit talk right now. Pitt football with a game tomorrow night, 7 o'clock against Boston College. We will have that for you right here on 93.7 The Fan. Our coverage begins with Pitt game day at 4. Paul Zeiss, Bob Pompiani, Doran Dickerson, then the Pitt football radio network pregame takes over at 5, kickoff at 7, so you can listen to that right here on The Fan and on your Odyssey app, pit Hoops in action on Friday night, 7 o'clock tip against Jacksonville. We will have that for you on the fan and on the Odyssey app. With that being said, we go out to Pit Insider from DK Pittsburgh Sports, Corey Crisson. He joins us here on 93.7 The Fan. Corey, will Pitt win tomorrow night against Boston College?
1: I think so. Uh it's kinda hard to tell at this point of the season, just given all of what's gone on with this Panthers program this year. Um Boston College has not been uh, a spring chicken either this year, and they've been a, a pretty decent team. I think it'll be a good close game tomorrow night at uh Akershire Stadium. Thanks for having me, Donnie. Appreciate you
0: Absolutely, buddy. Haven't talked to you in a while. Wanted to get you on here. Uh Do you think Phil Dracovic will be worked into the game plan in any way? It is Boston College, a little bit of a revenge game for him. We know he moved to tight end. Do you think we see any wrinkle there? It's also senior
1: night. Do you think we see anything from him?
0: I mean, he might get a
1: target. At this point, it's been a few weeks since that move has officially, unofficially, you know, gone under the wire, right, where where Phil Dracovic has gone out of the quarterback room to move to the tight end room. Now, like, in the Notre Dame game, it was loosely speculated that maybe there'd be a play or, or a package or something for Phil. Because, again, that's that's another school that he transferred from, uh, Notre Dame once upon a time. But with Boston College, like, I suppose you could get him out for a route or or a couple routes or a series or whatever it might have to be. But at this point, like even Carter Johnson didn't make the trip last week, the the backup tight end, and Phil still wasn't utilized. So it's hard to say right now. Now, given the circumstance, it's a maybe. But I'm not going into tomorrow night expecting much, if any, work for Phil. Corey, what did you expect coming into this
0: season versus what has happened this season? I didn't
1: expect this. Uh, I didn't think they would. I didn't think they would improve off of the mark from last year where they go eight and four in the regular season. They win the sun bowl. They finished with an AP ranking. I didn't think they were going to achieve that. And I was more skeptical on Phil coming in as a quarterback than I would say most were. And, and I think we had this discussion even in December when, when he transferred in like between Keaton slow and Phil Dracovic, I didn't see much of a difference. I, I think losing Phil, six NFL pieces. Now, I know, you know, Kalijah Kansi, Servassier Dennis, um, Eric Hallett, Brandon Hill were the four that were drafted. There were a couple of practice squad, you know, rookie minicamp guys. But you lose six NFL guys, essentially, on the defense. You lose your your middle linebacker signal caller. You lose the ACC defensive player of the year. I, I tempered my expectations for Pitt this year. Now, I didn't think that you know, entering week 12, they would have two wins. And I didn't think that um, they would have lost bowl eligibility by the time they hit Yankee Stadium, you know, at the beginning of November. So kind of with that said, like, I, it, this pit team is definitely underachieving. I don't want to mince words about that. This pit team is not performing as well as it should have been. But I also didn't think that, there were going to be many, if any, improvements made on what they did last year, you know, finishing with an AP ranking again and, and getting to a really respectable bowl game and beating a top 25 in that setting. Like, I, I didn't think that was going to be in the cards for them this year. And a lot of that has to do with the losses. And, and again, just my overall like tempering of Phil Dracovic entering this year.
0: Do you think Christian Vayer is the guy going forward, or will the Panthers venture into the portal for a new QB before next season?
1: I, I think he can be. You, you have to look at the Louisville game, right? The, the upset of Louisville, which to me it's kind of wild that that's the only loss Louisville has taken this year. Like to think that Pitt could separate the Cardinals potentially from a, a college fo- football playoff berth is is wild to me. But, like, you have to look at that Louisville performance. Now, granted, he didn't, you know, attempt 50 passes in that game. He didn't go gunslinger on everybody. But he played well enough, and he made good plays. But then, Donnie, you see the the stuff, the immaturity, the the stuff that he needs to work on. For me, in the Syracuse game, as an example, yeah, he turned the ball over three times. But the interception was a case where he just stared down Kenny Johnson the entire time and, a freshman defensive back didn't have to make much of a play on it to, to intercept that ball and run it back for a pick six. I think Bayer has shown some signs that he could be the guy moving forward. The concern that I have is that Pat Narduzzi may or may not commit to the guy. And, and that's not inside or anything. That's just reading the tea leaves of in a couple of games that Christian Bayer has gotten to start. Keep in mind, this is a redshirt sophomore. He's been pulled for Nate Yarnell. You would think that, again, conventional wisdom, you would think that if Pat Narduzzi wants to give Christian Bayer a look and find out that he's the guy going forward into 2024, wouldn't you want to get him as much in-game experience as you possibly wanted to? So, look, this this staff, too, you can foresee changes. You have to foresee changes to this offensive staff in the offseason. It's the worst offense in the ACC by scoring. It's the worst by total yards, you have to think that potentially Frank Cignetti at minimum a couple of position like or minimum a couple of position coaches, some people have to be moved around. And whether that brings uncertainty for the quarterback position or not to be determined, but I need to see Christian Bayer play all four quarters, all 60 minutes of these final two games to give me at least an indication that this program is going to commit to the guy as well.
0: Uh UNLV football having a great season, putting up uh well over thirty points per game. Uh their offensive coordinator uh as the running rebels are eight and two, uh he's up for the award that they give to the best assistant coach in all of college football. Uh I, I think you know who I mean when I say that, Brendan Marion. Uh mm-hmm. did the Panthers make a mistake letting this guy walk? I mean, in
1: hindsight, it might be easy to say that, but I think Tyquan Underwood has done a, a pretty decent job with his wide receivers. I, I think that when you look at what the Panthers have as far as talent at wide receiver, like Bob Means wasn't able to stick at a couple of schools. Kanate Mumfield transferred in from Akron. Like, I've, I think Kenny Johnson is a really good player, and I think you've seen him come along as the seasons progress, and there's a couple of really good freshmen that Underwood was able to pull in in Zion Fowler and Izzy Polk. That 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 building is really high on, and Pitt was a finalist for Hakeem Williams, a, a really good four-star receiver who ended up going to Florida State. Now I don't think he made much of an impact, if any, in the game against Pitt this year. But like that, he's getting Pitt's offense in the wide receivers room and like some of these skill position players at least on the radar when it comes to Pitt. So. In hindsight, you could say, well, this is one of the best assistant coaches in the country. Of course Pitt made a mistake. But, like, in hindsight, what did you have to look at the body work Brendan Marion did here at Pitt. I know he had success here, and he parlayed that, obviously, into another role, into a pretty significant role at that. So you could go either way of the fence on it. I, I don't think there's going to be any second regrets. Just from the standpoint of the, the talent that Taekwon Underwood has helped, uh, kind of bring into Pitt, you know, the in the post-Marion era.
0: Do you think that they have allowed him to, like, cook with that unit, though? Like, the, like the way that the offense worked, at least early in the season, uh, it certainly wasn't a pass-happy attack. And I know that that's not how Pat Narduzzi wanted to do things. That's kind of why we saw the movement from Whipple and Marion and company.
1: I, I think – Putting Bayer in a quarterback helped a lot of that. Like, you could see it that Dracovic and, and Bub Means didn't have chemistry. Uh, there was a game where Means was targeted 11 times and didn't have a catch. That's unheard of almost. It's almost hard to, to do that, to, to go 0 for 11 targeting a wide receiver. Like, it's clear that Bayer has more chemistry with Bub Means, and it's clear that Bayer has more chemistry with Kanate Mumfield. I think the quarterback change – had a lot to do with it, and there were just different things that Bayer could do that Djokovic, quite frankly, failed to do. So I think a little bit of that success that you've seen, at least as of late individually, has come along with the quarterback change. But there's still some deficiencies in this passing game. Yes, they are still growing. Yes, it still tries to be a run-first offense for, for the success or the failure that comes with it. But again, this wide receiver room just, it, it, it's very average to me at best, Donnie. I don't know what other adjective I could put on it. Like, I think there's good moments that they have as, as collectives. And again, I think Kenny Johnson's a really good player. But as a, as, as a whole, as a whole body of work from what we've seen, Drakovic era, Bayer era, I, I just see a lot of average with the wide receiver's core. And, and I think a lot of that has to come. With so much uncertainty at quarterback, and then you're still in a run-heavy offense that's not exactly benefiting those guys.
0: Corey Chris and Pit Insider from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey, uh, jumping over to basketball, Pit Hoops gave us a very memorable 22-23 season, uh, the the best season that they had uh, certainly in the Jeff Capel era, and really since they uh, parted ways with Jamie Dixon. Should we be expecting that again, or is it unfair to have those expectations of another NCAA tournament appearance? I think
1: you want to let the expectation grow into that. Maybe it's just me. I don't like to be pessimistic about happy things. I just don't. But also, it's true that a brand-new overhauled guards room, a brand-new backcourt, when you look at Bub Carrington and Ish Leggett, yeah, there's going to be some time for them to gel. And look, so far, so good, right? Carrington, probably the best debut of any freshman in Pitt history with that triple-double against NCA and C. I think Leggett looked really nice in facilitating the ball, almost like a Jamarius Burton. I'm not going to go far to say that's a 1-1 comparison. But I-, I think that when you have to get into ACC play, and obviously that starts with a one-off against Clemson before you get really into the schedule around Christmas. Like, I think you need to see what Pitt's going to do against some serious competition in order to build that confidence level and that excitement level and that anticipation level up. Like, it had to happen last year. Obviously, the expectations were low because a lot of transfers coming in, Capo really hadn't won before, and then they start to rattle off some wins. They beat North Carolina twice. They beat Virginia. They beat Miami once. Like, they stacked together some really impressive wins, and even in some of the losses they had, they looked impressive. Like, I think it's too early to tell right now just based on who they played, just based on there's still some stuff to figure out, and everything changes once you get into ACC play. So far, so good, though. Like, Bob Carrington, when you watch him play, triple-double stat, stats aside, he's long, he has good vision, he's not afraid to pass it, Lega can shoot it from in and out. We know Blake Kinson's range. You know, I think that a really nice piece to this, to this team, and I think one of the most underrated transfers in the country is Zach Austin. His defense, his athleticism is so good and so crucial. It's almost like a Nike Sabandi in a way. Like, Capel lost four really good senior guards, but he replaced them with a really good freshman in Carrington, a good transfer in Leggett, and a good transfer in Austin, and there's still pieces to go around them. So based on that merit, you can build the excitement for Pitt, but you have to let it – you have to kind of let the proof rest in the pudding once the ACC play comes around in December. Do
0: you think their lineup this year and their main bench pieces could be better than
1: what they got last season? I think it's possible, and I think a lot of that has to do with the play of the freshman up front with Carrington – and then Jalen Lowe coming off the bench. Like, part of that uncertainty coming into this season was, how good are these freshmen really? And when Dior Johnson left, you know, left the school, that kind of put a hole into things. Like, oh, now what does Pitt do? But Carrington's been excellent. Like, for my money, Carrington's been their best player so far. And I think there's still room for Blake Hibson to heat up. I think there's room for Federico to heat up, who didn't have the, you know, his best game. Um, on Monday, like, I think there's room for these pieces that were big parts of getting to the NCAA tournament last year to grow into. I think both of the twins have played exceptionally well so far, and Guillermo and Jorge Diaz-Graham. And I don't think right now Pitt has a six man. Like, one game, Jalen Lowe letting them scoring, and then Guillermo did it one game, and then Jorge did it one game. Like, there's more of a collection here than just, you know, you know you're going to get so many minutes from Nike Sabandi and he's going to you know, take over for Greg Elliott at some point and you have that instant offense. The growth of the Twins is a big part of this, this whole thing this year. And I think that those pieces, to go along with the new guys that are kind of ushered in, it's almost this nice little gelling, so to speak, and almost a role reversal where you had these really good guards last year that had a lot of experience but, but some inexperienced forwards with Federico and the Twins. And now you have it kind of flipped where the forwards have the experience and the guards, so to speak, are inexperienced as far as at least postseason play goes. And I think it's a really good just like bond and like a good chemistry thing that they have going. And it's no secret that Capel and his ability and what he showed last year is the guy driving this whole thing.
0: Speaking of the Diaz Graham twins, uh one of my concerns with them uh going into or I guess coming into this season was just that they would bulk up a little bit more. Did they put on some weight? It looks like there's a little
1: bit more meat there. Yeah, both of them have put on more than twenty pounds this offseason. Um both of them had a chance to go play overseas and they chose to stay in Oakland. You know, they worked on their diet, they bulked up, they hit the weight room. And they both I mean when you see them closer in person, I guess, like they look bigger. They look like they bulked up. They look like they have a little more meat on the bone, so to speak. So yeah. Like, that was a big thing. You, you saw a couple of twigs out there in the NCAA tournament, you know, you know against, uh, against Jack Nunji of Xavier. And, like, now you have a couple of guys that, like, I think Jorge even said, like, he feels a little slower, but he feels like he can actually move bodies around now. You didn't really have that with them last year. There were these finesse, stretch fours, essentially. But now you have them growing into more about getting into the post, move bodies around, clear space. I think you're going to see a lot more of that from them this year because they bulked up. Is there any concern that
0: Bob Carrington is a one-and-done? Do you think he could be that good in this season that like allows him to possibly go to the league or go
1: elsewhere? I wouldn't even say it's about the production. I would say it's about the build. Like for a prospect that's that's that was born in two thousand five, I'll let that one marinate for you there, yeah, Johnny.
0: That makes me yeah. feel nice and nice and spry and young. Oh,
1: uh, dude, he was sitting four feet in front of me when he said that, and I'm like, oh, Ten, ten makes- years younger than me. He, yeah, I was born in ninety two, so what, thirteen? Oh my goodness. Anyway, um, but like you watch him play, just watch him play. He's got length, good vision. He can shoot from three. He can drive if he needs to. He has the awareness to kick out. He has a lot of really good, desirable traits for a freshman guard in the ACC. Now, like I said with the rest of this team, ACC play is going to be so telling, especially early. And, and once the calendar flips into January, there's some really tough matchups, as it usually is in the ACC, but especially early. And I think that, like, one sprinkled-in game against Clemson is going to be really important for this pit team you know, in the middle of that non-conference play, so to speak. But, like, Carrington as an individual, I think that if he can continue to produce as he is right now, and he can post somewhere in the ballpark of, like, 15 to 17 points and then add in about five rebounds and add in about five assists, that's something to consider. Now, it depends on the draft class. It depends on... You know, does he get an agent? And is, is that agent talking to him? And does he say, hey, here's what we think? And I think a factor in this that could play in is what Blake Hinson did over this offseason, where Blake Hinson had the option to declare for the NBA draft. He, you know, so to speak, did so. And the NBA works a little bit different than NFL, say, mm-hmm. where you can declare for the draft, you can go in with an agent, and then you can test out and then essentially withdraw your name by a certain deadline. So Blake Hibson did that last offseason and decided to come back to Pitt after going through that process. I think Carrington would be wise to at least go through that process. However, it depends on the advice and the scouting and all of the stuff that comes along with doing those tests to determine that. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, and I'm really glad that we can have the conversation about can he, because he really is a special player, and if he's here – For two, three years, I mean, this is a guy you build a program around.
0: What's the ceiling for these guys in terms of wins? The
1: ACC is so tough, as it always is, right? Like, for me, Duke, North Carolina, I would say Virginia. I would say probably Clemson. Um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Miami, for sure. So there's at least five right, that I think are clear-cut better than Pitt this year, as far as just paper goes. Like, I'm high on Wake Forest. I like Appleby. Um, I like Hildreth. I like their coach, Steve Forbes. Um, I think there's some really good teams, the ACC Syracuse. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my alma mater. (laughs) Uh, Off to a good start with Adrian Autry, who knows what their ceiling is with the new coach. Um, I think there's at least five teams that are definitively better than Pitt right now. In the ACC, and then maybe you could look at NC State, depending on them and and how they progress. So for me, I think a ceiling for them is somewhere in like the six or seven seed range in the ACC tournament, which, you know, obviously coming off of last year where they were in contention for first place at the end of the year at the very last game of the regular season. Like you might think that's a, a disappointment, but I actually think that's pretty decent positioning you know, as far as the tournament tournament's concerned. I mean, to me, like, it's Duke or Miami, and then figure it out from there, as far as the ACC goes. But I think this team has a chance to contend to get back into the NCAA tournament. I wouldn't have said that before the season started, but given how hot they've started and seeing some of that work from the new pieces, it gives me a little more confidence that their likelihood of making an NCAA tournament would go up. I would think that they would at least be in some kind of position, you know, come February, where might, maybe a key stretch or a couple key games or two is the thing that separates them, and that's kind of how it came down to last year as well.
0: Corey Crisson, Pitt Insider from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey, thanks for taking the time, buddy. As always, Donnie. Anytime. There you have it, Corey Crisson Given the skinny on Pitt Boston College tomorrow night. Some of the things that have gone right and wrong for pit football this season and some expectations on pit hoops as the Panthers are 3-0 and on the hardwood to start this season. I would love to see another season like last year. A run for the Panthers to which they made a run not only in the ACC but even won a couple of games in the big dance. Coming up, Going to get into a little bit of hockey talk around 10 before we finish things out. Pitt Boston College tomorrow night. We'll have some conversations there. 412-928-9370. Also something I just watched on one of the TVs in here that I want to get Sean's take on as well. I know he'll have more of an expert take than me. Twitter brought to you by South Hills Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, Ram, and Peters Township. Visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. College football season. Pitt fans, come right here to listen to every game by listening live on the Odyssey app. To get started, download the Odyssey app and follow 93.7 The Fan. It's Donnie Football with you here on Sports Radio 93.7 The Fan.